You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse. Reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life family. My name is Darby Anderson. I am the home group's pastor here and lead, I don't know if I'm lead servant doorman, but I, I like to think that I'm one of the servants of the, of the door, the front door. So, welcome. Um, I'm excited that we get to talk about fostering together. It's a topic that's near and dear to our family's heart. Um, all those things in the video, I think we've experienced. Uh, we were emergency foster care family for about three years, uh, nine kids, a couple adults, you know, because everybody needs... Anyway, but that people who've, who've stayed with us and, and been a part of that. So this is a topic that's near and dear to us and our family. Um, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and in my home group, shameless plug, my home gl- group, uh, you should be in a home group, um, and ours, there, there was a common question of, Hey, how do you know if it's you or if it's the Holy Spirit? If it's you or if it's the Holy Spirit, we're going to kind of talk about that, that there's one thing that we can kind of figure out or at least take steps of faith to go, maybe we should just do that. But before we get started too much in my thoughts, I'd like to uh, pray with you. So if you'd pray with me. Lord God, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for understanding us and still loving us. Help us to see what it is you're showing us, to um, hear what you're wanting to speak to our hearts today and understand your heart as our, our Father and, and that we would take steps of faith, practical, real steps of faith, because you are all those things that we sang about. You, you are a way maker. You are all those things, and you are our God, and because you're our God, we want to worship you with not just um, our words and song, but in our lives and what we do. And so I pray for this time that you'd meet us here. I pray in your name. Amen. So yeah, we, we were a foster, emergency foster care, so that means um, we, we were the people that when they didn't know where to bring the kids um, in the in-between. So there was no clear, safe place, and so we were that safe place. We got them at all times of the day and night. Um, But before we get going too much in our story or other stories, I wanted to share God's heart with you. You can follow along in your notes or on the screen. Um, This is one of my, my favorite passages in Deuteronomy. It says, Deuteronomy 10, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Woo! Let's read that again. Because, and this time, though, like imagine if these things were true of you. Like, like imagine this was you, because a lot of us do play God in our lives. But anyway, that's not the point. But imagine this is you, that you are, uh, that for the Lord your God is God of God's lowercase g's, all those little idols, cell phones, whatever they may be, that, that you are Lord of lowercase little lords, like all the people who think they're cool. You are the great God. Imagine that. Mighty and awesome. He shows partiality, accepts no bribes. 
what do you what what would you imagine you do? Like I'd I'd like instantly like turn into like a cool eagle or something like soar and like maybe have some lightning bolts just to go, hey, what's up? But anyways, so therefore, what does God of gods do? What does the Lord of Lords do? Mm. So unlike me. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you giving them food and clothing. He defends the cause of the fatherless. All those great attributes and the therefore is super tenderhearted, super loving, super understanding. And his father, like our father's heart is amazing. It blows my mind, and I've learned more and more about it, and it's exciting to be on a journey and learning more and more, and you're like, all right, Darby, you found a random verse in Deuteronomy. Is there more? Oh, yes, there is more. There is a lot more, and we're not going to, it's not an exhaustive thing today. Let's look at Psalm 68, verses 4 through 6. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him, him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. Woohoo! Yeah. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him. Extol is a fun word. Extol means like, yeah, lift him up. Go ahead, like cheer like you're at a football game, but even more. Anyway, who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. So, so for me, being from California, I'm like, he's like the silver surfer, but better. Like, he's like on this surfboard in the clouds, like going, Pew. and I was like, last service, it came to me, and like, maybe that's not what you imagine. Imagine like you're on your combine in the clouds, like plowing the fields. It's so beautiful. And I don't know. For, for those of you Californians over here, combine's a big thing that, like, anyway. Hard to explain. Um, anyway, but all this awesomeness, like this total awesomeness, and what's the therefore? The therefore is he is father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely and families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. He's a father to the fatherless. And when I was younger, um, I got to coach kids. And when I was older, I coached kids too. And so kids of all ages. Um, but a lot of times I got to be like a father to the fatherless. Like you'd see Sparky come up to you and you're like, oh, Sparky doesn't look right. And you're like, hey, Sparky, what's going on? And like you, you get to be a father figure to someone going through, through difficulties. And I was, people are like, wow, I wonder what you'd be like if you had boys. I'm like, I've had so many boys, like hundreds of boys on my soccer team. And I've coached girls soccer teams too. Anyway, but being a father to the fatherless, I got that on some level. And I'm like, wow, I get to be an extension. I get to be an, a fragrance of Christ. I get to be a blessing conduit to these kids. And, and that was all good. And then um, then when I was like, I don't know, 32 ish, um, things changed a little bit in my life and you're like, what? You're not 32. Anyway, um, when I was younger, I, I had these things called daughters and, um, 
I still do. And, but it was a game changer for me because I felt like I was fooling everyone. I'm like, hey, I can take care of myself. I'm like, I can feed myself, clothe myself. And you're like, I don't know how you made it this far, Darby. I don't know either, but I was. I was getting along and doing okay. And then I got married, and I'm like, okay, we're, we figured this thing out, and we're like working together. And then all of a sudden, it's like four people I'm responsible for? That's kind of a lot. You know, it's like, oh, do you not know who I am? I'm totally capable of failing here. And um, I say all that to set up, the Father's heart idea, is I was in a worship service similar to this, and I was singing and what have you, and, and I don't always, this doesn't always happen, so you're like, what's wrong with me? What? But this, this was an encounter I had with God and the Holy Spirit, and I, I was worshiping, and I, I glance over, and there's my beautiful wife with my youngest daughter, maybe one year old, and then my three-year-old was on my shoulders, and she's like, arms raised, Whatever, and I'm like, a little, little bit of a trickle came out of my eye. Not, not, not going to lie there. A little bit of a trickle, and then, then um, I felt like the Lord said, Hey, you really love your daughters, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I do. I do. That's why I stress out. Like, uh, don't trust me. But, um, yeah, I, I love my daughters. And, 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 and uh, then I heard... I love them more than you do. <laughs> no more drip from the eye. It was a little bit like a, like the faucet. It's not full bore, but it was like a little bit like a set, steady, barely skinny stream of tears coming down from my eyes. I'm like, yes, I don't have to freak out because God's God. I don't have to stress that somehow these girls are going to be taken care of in spite of me. And I'm like, this is good that you love them even more than I do. And um, then, then, then I heard a whopper because growing up, I was third born. It looked like there's divorce and I was kind of like the forgotten, you know, Josh kept talking about the forgotten God. I felt like the forgotten child, like what? We still have that guy? Oh, yeah. We even shared a story last night where they forgot they had me. But I'm in good company because Jesus' parents left him and didn't know that he wasn't with them either. So, but I wasn't left at the Grand Canyon, and I don't have a mullet. Anyway, for all you Joe Dirt fans. Um, Dirté to you, buddy. Anyway, um, the Whopper was... I love you the same way I love your daughters. His heart for me is more than my heart for my daughters. And it blew my mind that I get to be a part of that. And and when when you when you look in the in your notes, it'll it'll have a passage. We're not going to look at it on screen, but like as you do for one of the least of these, you do for him. And when kids are defenseless, when they're when they're when they're young, they need they're needy. I've seen some um, parents here with like big bags underneath their eyes, and I'm like they got the kids like hanging on their elbow, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that the the illusion of someday you're going to have sleep, and. Um, but God's heart and all of it. And we wonder like, hey, is it the Holy Spirit or is it me? Um, we're going to look at a passage in, in James where it pretty much says this. Religion, and I, 
anyway, I'm not going to go there. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So, so religion, and I almost didn't use this verse because I didn't, in California you don't say the word religion. It's kind of like the pastor word. You don't say that because big walls and people confusing ideas anyway but what religion means it's like a a a response a reverence response to something like if you're like how do i please god what what would if i could do something what could that be and and here in in james it says look after orphans and widows in their distress in their distress is where i want to camp out a little bit because if if you are a Jesus follower and you have the Holy Spirit in you and you come across someone in distress, you may be there for a reason. Let's just assume that you are there for a reason, that God does want to love people in you and through you and to connect with them. So for me, I, I live life on good most days, good days, when I'm properly aligned with the Lord, that I'm like, oh, there's some distressing thing. Maybe I'm here for a reason. That that I would be an extension, an expression of God's heart to these people. That, that I could possibly be a fragrant love expression of, of, of Jesus to these people. So, in their distress... Every kid that ever came to us and our family were in distress. And when I hear myself online, I realize when I talk, I talk real high. But when normal, normal voice, it's like this. I'm a little bit like Batman. And I am. If it weren't for my daughter, I'd wear black and really, really dark gray all the time. Anyway, so that's my normal voice, and, and when, I, when kids, especially early on, when we'd get a kid, and I was thinking one in particular, he, he came, Sammy, he came, he didn't have the skin color I had or anything, he came, and he looked at me, and he was like, mm-hmm. and then as soon as I spoke with my normal voice, he did not like me. And I realized how many times these kids have been wounded by someone who should be looking out after them in their distress. And it broke my heart as a father. And so I talked like this, hey! And, but, and I realized it when he didn't want anything to do with me. He only wanted Doritos. That was his dig. Like, every kid's got a little something going on, going on. And that kid, if he didn't have his Doritos, he wasn't happy. Anyway... So we give him his Doritos, but he still didn't want anything to do with me. And one time I was in the other room that was learning how to play the ukulele, and he's kind of like checking me out because the same guy who had this voice was also singing oh, um, with a ukulele, and he's like, what? And all the walls came down. And anyway, I got better at being an emergency foster care parent because I realized Unfortunately, the, the fathering aspect sometimes is scary. Um, someone who's been involved with, is, is in our very own church. I want to invite Lisa Qualls up. Come on, Lisa. Lisa is an advocate for foster care. She's an advocate, and she's done lots and lots of awesome things. 
and um, I look forward to, to picking her brain some more and talking some more about fostering together. Welcome. I'm glad you could be with us. Thank you. Woohoo! Look at that. Is that all your family? That is almost all of our family, yep. Almost all. Last summer. Uh-huh. When our oldest daughter got married. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. There's a lot of togetherness there. Yeah. In the fostering. Yep. Okay. Um, so we talked about lots of things and, and what have you, but what I'd like to know from your expertise and standpoint, what is foster care really? Okay, foster care is a response to a crisis. There's a family that uh, things are not going well for any number of reasons, and the children are not being cared for in a way that is keeping them safe. And um, the children, the state steps in, and they remove the children, and they place them in foster care. So it's a response to a crisis, and as foster parents, we are the soft place for the children to land. I think that, you know, most often we want to protect ourselves from pain, but when you're a foster parent, you run toward it. You run toward the pain because the children and the families are in really, truly desperate need. And so we have to be, um, I think, very brave sometimes, but we run toward the pain, and it is a messy ministry. This is not tidy in any way. You do not have a lot of control, but you get to serve the most vulnerable, vulnerable children, and it's, it's very beautiful. One thing that people often don't understand is that foster care is not adoption. It does happen sometimes that foster children become available for adoption, and sometimes the foster parents will be the ones who adopt the children. But the purpose of foster care is actually to sort of stand in the gap for the family who's in crisis and care for their children so that the children have an opportunity to heal in your care and the parents have an opportunity to do whatever work they need to do to become the safe and uh, stable parents that their children actually need. And so as a foster parent, we're a bridge, really, between the children and our care for them and then helping to bridge them back home to their families. And I think that's really hard for a lot of us to think about because... We say, often people will say, I could never do foster care because I would get too attached. I mean, so many people say this, and I understand that. It's, it is a hard thing, but the truth is children need you to get attached. They need you to love them as, and give them a family. Children don't only need food and clothing. They need security, and they need love, and they need to know that they are absolutely precious and we can give that to them. And, of course, that does mean sometimes it's really painful because you have to say goodbye to children that you love with all your heart. And I would say that's one of the hardest parts of foster care. We call that voluntary redemptive suffering. We get to be part of God's redeeming work in a very broken world. And... You know, our God, we talk about that a lot in our church, that our God redeems and restores what is broken. And we get to be part of that when we serve as foster parents or within the whole fostering support. So I think it's a great privilege, even though it can be hard at times, but it's also really beautiful. 
it's not in the notes, but you should write down voluntary redemptive, redemptive suffering. suffering. I did get that from a very smart friend of mine. Yeah, that's that's true. That is what it is, and it does reflect some things. So, so that being said, it's clear that you have a heart for foster care, that you probably have a personal story. Would you mind sharing some of your story with us? Sure. I do have a personal story. Foster care has been part of my life, actually, for a very, very long time. I was in foster care when I was a teen, and I was in foster care just for a year, but It was a very uh, unsettling and painful and scary experience for me, especially in the beginning, because I was taken from my home and my family in a small town, and I was moved to a large city a couple of hours away from home. And in those days, two hours away might as well have been across the country because we did not have cell phones, and long distance was very expensive, so I was completely cut off from everyone I knew and loved, from and my teachers and everything. And I was placed in a foster home with a single mom and her two little girls. And I think my entire town that I moved from was about the same size as the high school I attended. So it was quite a shock. And there are so many stories I could share about being a foster youth. But the most important one is that my foster mom and her friends were pretty strange because they were really into Jesus. And I thought they were pretty odd. And But God used them and used my foster mom to introduce me to a loving, loving father. And I feel like it was this gentle process over many months. And I came to a point of really knowing not only was my need for him so desperate, but that he wanted to meet my need and rescue me, and he did. And so it was really, really powerful. And I think, you know, we often want to have ministries where we can impact lives. Well, one foster child, you can change their life for all eternity. I mean, I think about my family. My family was changed for generations because of God rescuing me in that that year that I was in foster care. So we always thought maybe someday we would do foster care, but first God led us to adoption, and we were truly, truly compelled by the Holy Spirit to adopt our children. You may have noticed um, we have four. We adopted four children from Ethiopia, and. When we went into adoption, we were feeling like we were coming into it from a place of strength. We were, our family was pretty stable, things were going pretty well, and we thought, you know, we have something beautiful here, and we want to share it with children who need a family. We want to give them that love and safety and security. And so we went into adoption, brought home four kids totally changed our lives forever, rocked our worlds, everything. It was an incredible, continues to be an incredible journey. But the idea of foster care never really left us. And the more we learned about parenting children who have had adverse experiences, children who've experienced abuse and neglect, the more we became aware that right here in our community, there were children in need. And we began to talk more about foster care and how we could maybe step into that at some point. But in the midst of all of those years, we were in a terrible accident and we lost 
uh, one of our daughters. Excuse me. And you know, that just put us in such a, a hard and sad place. And um, we were grieving a lot. And we were very, very broken. And I think in many ways it was one of the weakest times of our lives. And I remember thinking maybe we would never do foster care because I didn't think we would ever have anything left to give. We were so profoundly changed. And God, in our weakness, called us to foster care truly when we least expected it. We were not foster parents. Uh, We were working on building a ministry here at the church, and so I had gotten to know some of the caseworkers. And I was asked to take a teen girl who you saw, and maybe they'll put the picture up, I don't know, um, a teen girl home for one night. And there was a crisis situation in her current foster family. And she had met me just that afternoon, just one time. And I went and picked her up from a school event. So just kind of imagine this. You know, you're 15 years old, and this complete stranger comes to pick you up at a school event. And she came home with us. And I remember her sitting in this big chair in our living room, just wrapped in a blanket. And um, thankfully, I had two teen girls of my own still at home. And they were so loving to her. Like, they rose to the occasion more than I ever could have imagined. And they welcomed her. So she stayed one night. And then she stayed a second night. And then they told us that they were going to have to find a new foster home for her. And they needed a couple of weeks because... There were no homes in our community available, nobody who would take a teen in particular, and very few homes at all. And so we ended up keeping her, and the longer she stayed, the more we felt like, you know, maybe we can do this. And Bella ended up staying for two and a half years. So let me tell you, foster care is not predictable. That's unusual. Two and a half years is unusual, but it's not predictable. You sort of have to just surrender yourself to the process and just be willing to walk in it. But truly being her foster mom was a gift, and I'm really, really thankful that we were able to do it. Foster care is a great reminder that you are not in control. (laughs) Um, So what are some needs that we have in our local area that maybe we can be involved with? So we have about 80 kids in care in our area, in our community right here. We are at the lowest that we've been in a long time in terms of new foster parents being trained and becoming licensed to become foster parents. The classes where they train parents are the smallest that they've been. There is always, always a need for foster parents. And when there is not a family available here, like I mentioned with Bella, You know, the children get sent a long distance away, and they're already sometimes far from their families. And, of course, when you're trying to arrange visits between families and their kids, the distance, the greater the distance is, the harder it is. And so, you know, we've had kids have to go to Post Falls. We've had kids have to go to Boise. So there is a need for foster parents right here in our community. In addition, there's a need for people to support the foster parents because it is hard work, and there's a lot involved. And as both the moms in the video expressed, it can be a lonely journey too. You're parenting children who often have experienced a lot of neglect and abuse, and 
to help them heal, it's very intensive parenting. You know, you're, you're trying to meet their basic needs over and over and over again to help them heal and learn how to receive love and trust. Trust is a really, really big part of it. So we need foster parents. <clears throat> we need people who want to support foster parents. And it can be Whatever your gifting is, there's something you can do to support foster parents. We have foster families right here in our church you can be involved with. You can take a meal. If you like to bake, you can bake birthday cakes. If you have children in Parks and Rec soccer, you could sign up another family's foster child and commit to taking them to every practice and every game. You know, it doesn't have to be heroic to be truly, truly helpful. We had a a situation with actually one of our adopted children where we had a lot of needs. And a friend picked her up from school every single Wednesday and took her home, spent time with her, and fed her dinner. And that was one afternoon when we knew that things would be a little calmer for us because she was in a really, really hard place. So there are so many different things you could do. If you actually know a foster family and have a relationship, you can even care for the children overnight, give that family a little break, and it's just, um, there, it's pretty unending what you could do to help. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And today, what are some things uh, we're going to give people a little bit more time than normal? I spoke briefly, which people are like, what? Was that a sermon? That was like hardly any time at all. Anyway, but out, in, out there, what are some things that people can do to be involved and get engaged? So we have some people from Fostering Idaho here, and they can answer any questions about foster care. You know, there are a lot of uh, misunderstandings about foster care. People think they have to be married. No, you do not. You can be single. You don't need to own your own home. You'd be amazed. You can be fairly young. You can be fairly old. It, you know, it doesn't, there are a lot of things that will not hinder you, but you can ask them all those questions. If you want to support foster families in our community, talk to them too, and they'll take your name, and we'll get in touch with you, or they will, and figure out how you can support and help families. There's also an organization called Homes of Hope. They do a lot of practical things, like um, gather physical items for foster families, clothing, beds. They take financial donations, all those kinds of things. They really put on a lot of our Christmas party that we host here at the church. And lastly, we have a little Christmas tree out right outside the door on the left, and it has little tags on it. And you can take those tags, and we'll have boxes here at church where you can bring your items, but they are things as small as boxes of granola bars, juice boxes, because these caseworkers are picking up children in the middle of the night, and sometimes these children have not eaten, or sometimes these snacks can be used for all kinds of things, but they're really, really helpful. Some of the tags are for packs of diapers, I'll just tell you now, they need larger sizes and pull-ups. We've already answered that question. So if you want to get diapers, that's the most useful. And lastly, there are tags to purchase gift cards that are used as Christmas gifts for the teens in care for our Christmas party. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we're going to move towards communion. If you're serving communion, please do that. And Lisa, one more time, that great redemptive uh, line that you gave us. Voluntary redemptive suffering. So as we're moving towards communion, think about what the Lord did in his voluntary redemptive suffering as we, as we come to celebrate his, his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. And maybe think about that um, when we, we hear the song. If you um, want to celebrate 
his body broken for us, his blood poured out for us. Then, then hold the elements after the song. Josh will come up and, and we'll, we'll share together. But um, just maybe, maybe think about that and meditate and, and think about those things during this song. Father, we have felt your love. You uh, looked at us and you said, no, you will not be an orphan. You are mine. You're my prized possession. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you. And you're not going to leave or forsake your brothers and sisters and the aliens and the orphans and the widows and all those folks. We see your passion, Lord. So passionate. that You sent your son here to show us how to live. To how to see people. And so thank you for, for showing us how to see people, Lord. Thank you for modeling And so the Lord Jesus on that night, uh, he took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this and remember it's of me. Let's remember him. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it and remembrance of me. We want to remember you. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being here, the privilege of being in a place where we can see needs. Thank you for showing us needs and how we can take care of things and be a part of the kingdom and be outside of ourselves, Lord. And I just ask that you would just continue to push this church towards uh, the things of your purpose, your will, your design. And we see it so clearly that a big part of that is about orphans. It's about folks that, 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 that need that bridge. And so help us to be a bridge. A great bridge, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.